Support for this podcast is brought to you by Abhishek Keshav. Your support helps us bring fresh voices, credible voices, uh, new voices, and helps us keep the debate going on MindMakers. Please support MindMakers. Please go to mind.net to see how you can support our podcast and support our website. We thank you, everyone, for all your support. Uh, keep writing to us at info at mind.net, or you can tweet to us at myind, M-A-K-E-R-S, or like us on Facebook for more information. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this new Mind Podcast. Um, I'm Adit Kapadia and with me is Pramod Kumar Buravalli. Hi Pramod, how are you? Good, very good. Um, uh, Surinda Vashisht is not here with us. She's on a week's break. She's on a vacation and enjoying in a... Uh, so we're all, me and Pramod are jealous of her because of the climate she's enjoying in. But she deserves it. So we're here to, uh, to uh, keep the show on. And together with us is um, Ramana Mupala. Uh, uh, he's an uh, IT architect in Washington, D.C. His passions include India, India-centric strategic analysis and pre-Islamic history of India. He's an ardent follower of current affairs and he's a columnist for Mindmakers. He's written various uh, pieces on current affairs and strategic affairs and he's joining us from India actually so uh, that's uh, I guess that's a um, uh, perfect thing right he's from Washington DC but he's in India to give us tell us about India and I remember uh, Ramna's article for us on the last Raya of uh, Vijayanagara Empire very Mm -hmm. well because I had studied uh, the Vijayanagara Empire I'd read the Forgotten Empire book by Robert Sewell and the uh, deep insights Ramana provided in that article cannot be forgotten. It still gets quoted many times when people say that the Vijayanagara Empire ended in 1565, but you uh, you you turn that uh, that that over and you 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 certainly proved that it existed for far more years after that as well. So thank you for that, Ramana. Absolutely, absolutely, and not just that. Uh, you also had the the Mossam near string of pearls of India China that you wrote, and, and uh, it's actually a uh, interesting topic on which we're going to uh, talk about India-China, but welcome, Ramanna. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Uh, so, anything, uh, any quick, quick thing that you the the first thing that you saw in India, what was that? I think we there is a very good ground impact on GST. Hmm. Uh, in a way, it is like even though somebody talks negative about it, but if you infer, it, there is a lot of positivity going on in India. Interesting, very interesting. So that's the, that that you have, he sets the cat amongst the pigeons that about GST. But uh, before we start, uh, me and Pramod like we, we uh, delayed the recording for a little bit because we were watching the Women's World Cup final and we had India had a heartbreaking loss against England. I mean, very proud of the girls and what they've done, what they've achieved. Uh, getting through the semi-final from Australia was very tough. Australia is a very tough opponent, and Harunpreet Kaur just bashed them everywhere. But this was, I mean, you know, so near yet so far. Yeah. I mean, they should have won this, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. the girls... Very, they lost by nine runs. I they, think the girls played very well. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You know, I, I remember that uh, uh, often quoted humorous uh, statement from Mohammed Azhar. Oh my God, I was just about to say that. <laughs> the, the boys played very well, but we lost. So, so that that's, uh, you know, the girls broke our hearts, but uh, we are always there for them. That's uh, so and, proud of them. And, and trust to Hyderabadis to bring up Mohammed Azaruddin within <laughs> the first five minutes of the podcast, <laughs> as soon as we start about cricket. So, yeah. actually, one of my friends went to yeah. the same school as Azaruddin did. Yeah. And stuff, so. 
Anyways, um, uh, let's start. Let's get it. Let's get started. So let's start with the presidential election. Um, Ramnath Kovind won against uh, won the president elections against Meera Kumar with a stupendous majority, sixty five point sixty five percent of the votes. Um, I mean, it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to win. The but what was interesting, and this is the real key of the presidential election, there was so much cross voting, and especially in the state of Gujarat. Which led with cross voting because yeah. it goes to polls in six months, and Shankar Singh Bagela, the only semblance of a mass leader that Congress has in Gujarat, is threatening to quit and do a rebellion, and that is just unbelievable. Like they own BJP had one twenty one twenty odd MLAs and they had eight to ten MLAs that extra that voted that they were not in Maharashtra. There was cross voting. Uh, in uh, Goa, there was in I forget. I mean, there were so many states. I forget. You know, kaha hua tha. West Bengal too. I think they only had six MLAs along with Gorkha Jan Mukti Morcha. So that was interesting. So, what is your first thought on the presidential election, Pramod? I think it's a well-deserved uh, victory for a man who has uh, kept himself uh, grounded. Uh, his work in UP, if I remember, was all about um, you know social empowerment and for a. A Dalit to rise and rise again uh, to the topmost position as the chief of the armed forces, uh, somebody that uh, the prime minister also reports to with the union budget, a man so humble of such a uh, humble origin, and with a, with a very genial nature is a very big testament and uh, all kudos to the uh, rising and vibrant democracy of India. I I saw that the opposition also, whoever tried to oppose, didn't have the heart in it. They kept. Changing the goalposts, they said that it's not him that we oppose; it's the ideology that he represents uh, that we oppose. But then the oxymoron in that was that the ideology he's supposedly representing, he's leaving that ideology to become, you know, take a constitutional position. It's it's like uh, the the worst uh, thing you can say to a person who is going on to become from a governor to to president. He has left politics um, after uh, ascending the governorship a uh, long, long time ago. So the opposition also seems as confused as ever. And what comes out of this is uh, uh, you see this whole drama that was uh, is being enacted by Mayavati. She resigned and then they withdrew. And again, uh, they said they accepted it. So now she is apparently trying to launch a, a, a movement uh, for Dalit Asmita. And uh, she she knows that she is losing her core constituency uh, very rapidly in UP, Bihar, and uh, Punjab, and that's going to other parties. So she is fighting for her survival. So what this is doing is this is what's making BJP an impregnable fortress. You know, you've got a social coalition, you've got an economic coalition, you've got the economy that is continuing to grow, and it will even after GST and demonetization at the rate at which it is growing, there's no stopping India. And to have a man. Uh, where the world, you know, which accuses India of uh, so-called caste discrimination, to have a man uh, from the Dalit background to be the president of India, this, uh, you know, many, many wagging tongues will will stop, you hmm. know. So, Ramana, what have you seen? Uh, you've, you're now visiting India. What have you seen as far as the feedback and uh, what what kind of uh, expectations do people have from the new president? Yeah, generally, president is a constitutional head. People are very aware these days as compared to past that president is a constitutional head so this is not there about expectation but what I see is the opposition is very demoralized in India right now because this victory has uh, pan states in the sense all the states of India has a 
uh, has has voted for him from a representative's perspective and also the cross voting that happened rampantly in many states especially in many states where there is opposition in power uh, that's where the demoralization effect is there that's the one thing people keep telling and talking second most important talk is very important that they say is finally rss has reached its zenith they say all the three heads that will be in india prime minister president and the definitely vice president vankaina aditi they all are rooted started their lives in rss they may have taken into bjp they may have taken other positions but the point is here it's nagpur has moved to delhi no i have to tell you a little little joke a lot of gujaratis will tell you this that nagpur um, nagpur has moved to delhi with these three positions wo to sahi hai par gujarat assembly mein 2012 you had the prime minister uh, the chief minister leader of opposition and second leader of opposition all three from rss <laughs> so this is another gujarat model so gujarat mein because shankar si vaghela keshu bhai patel and narendra modi and the speaker of the house all were sir sir from what you are saying are, are you are you hearing any adverse commentary on uh, the president the president elect in terms of his uh, work that he has done which uh, the opposition purports that he will try to bring it to the to, to the rashtrapati bhavan i i saw some silly comments made uh, here and there but overall i i think the uh, opposition has uh, uh, no weapons to throw at him but have you seen any really genuine commentary being made about uh, uh, ramnath kovin's uh, background i haven't heard but you know there is a usual chatterati right in india which is usual i mean whether this happens or something else happens they are always on one side of extreme uh, anti indian left they keep chatting the same thing but but in summary i would say the opposition has lost the entire plot so um also on venkai naidu they all they all got bamboozled you know not just with ramnath kovind but also on venkai naidu's candidature which was also some some of the uh, you know last remaining bastions for the rajya sabha uh, the well entrenched rajya sabha opposition members to try to make uh, you know make ground because they have lost ground in lok sabha anyway and uh, the team of uh, modi and amit shah came up uh, really trumps with uh, that that selection because he is very well respected across the aisle mm-hmm. he was the parliamentary affairs minister he is never unparliamentary <laughs> yeah, and to quote venkai naidu he is well respected connected and uh, i don't know related <laughs> yeah yeah they, i mean the acronyms that venkai naidu throws up are, are very apt and uh, that also you know that, that also takes away the plot that they had uh, the last remaining uh, vestiges of their uh, hmm. voice was in the rajya sabha and now with somebody who speaks outspeaks them they have no other uh, way huh. but to take to the streets exactly and just one second raman i'm going to come back to you right on this so ravana ji you were saying something about on venkai naidu yeah yeah venkai naidu will be an excellent uh, parliament uh, leader because he was dealing with all kinds of opposition leaders for a long time in managing the parliament in managing lok sabha in managing rajya sabha members to get bills passed and things like that now he being the vice president which is means the rajya sabha chairman he will stop this uh, 
mayhem that is going on for the past couple of years where all the people come into the well and they do something like a equivalent to a US Senate uh, filibuster kind of thing. Mm. So no law is being passed. That thing isn't going to become passed. He may use marshals, he will be authoritative. And we can expect some realistic bills uh, probably getting passed in this term. So I think uh, it's a great fit. Vankai Naidu becoming the uh, vice president is a great fit. And also it gives an image right now. That image will not be erasable right now. What happened right now is... All no. three heads of the nation are <laughs> on, on, on a lighter note, um, in a filibuster, you have like people actually standing up for a few hours to make sure a bill doesn't get passed. To avoid them standing up for a few hours, 10 other idiots come and cross the well. And a big tribute to Venkai Naidu is that he is a great fit and the opposition will be in fits. <laughs> yes, that is the perfect tribute. No, but I have to tell you one thing, Pramod. Um, this, uh, along with the chairman, the deputy chairman also will belong to the BJP. And PJ Kurian, it was PJ Kurian of the Congress. So, who the BJP will appoint as a deputy chairman is very interesting. Because that will, he will be pretty much the go-between between the uh, vice president and the others. Yes. And it can be anybody, but uh, somebody who is uh, patient and uh, who who can understand the process. Uh, it could be any parliamentary. Who's patient? Well, <laughs> it depends on the kind of opposition also, because now the 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 public perception of the opposition also is is that that they're just hell bent on opposition, uh, 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 you know, sitting in opposition for the sake of opposition. Even Sitarama Yechuri's seat is up, up for grabs. He's not, nobody knows if he's com coming back to Rajya Sabha. So there's nobody from the left or the center or anybody center left uh, uh, leader that can really articulate their point so well. Shashitarur has his own uh, problems right now. So it's very interesting to see how Venkanaidu will be able to get or, those or, or, bills passed. He can't even say that he's going to go to Rajya Sabha and then build, uh, like not go to Rajya Sabha and build his party because politically it's not happening. Yes. He can't win a single MLA seat. And it's very, but again, I don't see that the opposition has completely whittled away. I, I, I still see, saw that sensible statement being made by Mulayam Singh Yadav. At, uh, on his finest day, he can be a very articulate speaker. He's now grown old and uh, naturally that uh, passion has gone, long gone. But they, he did stand up and talk impassionately and a very uh, objective analysis of what uh, problems China is crossing along the border. Because as you know, that the UP is very close to the China no, no, border. Let's not forget, Mulam Singh Yadav was the defense minister of he, India. And he has been consistently, I know he has been ambivalent on Pakistan, but on China, he has been consistent for the past 20-25 years on the threat that China poses. And then as, as though there is like a... Uh, uh, sort of a, sort of a uh, uh, relay, then Mahbuba Mufti has started uh, opening up a new front. First time a Kashmiri leader. So what, what do you can I say something before we bring in Namanna? It's a tragedy that India doesn't have a full-time defense minister. Yeah. Well, it all it all depends on what the Prime Minister feels at this point. If he is managing half of it from the PMO. Oh, sure. But you need... So, I would say the foreign policy is being decided from PMO also. That doesn't mean we don't have an EAM. Well, uh, there are many matters. The PM can't address to everything. Now, again, I, I have always said that that is the biggest uh, folly of the Prime Minister's office today is that you don't see new blood, fresh blood coming into the system 
as consistently as uh, it used to be in the past bjp administration so i don't know if uh, that will change in his next term i hope it does because you need a fresh lease of life everywhere the older people have to take on much more senior positions and leave it to the younger uh, much younger in in, in comparison uh, uh, a fresh bl- influence of uh, talent is required uh, but ramana why don't you talk about china and then also about china yeah I think uh, I agree with Pramod, but if you see a positive side of it on the or new blood, if you see all the deputy ministers like uh, uh, like the deputy defense minister, deputy uh, ministry of home affairs like Kiran Reju, huh. all these being like even Nirmala Sita Raman, who is also new and uh, pretty energetic leader, uh, all these ministers are getting groomed up. So as you said. i think uh, as time goes on these guys will take over the mantle from the uh, from the older people and i think there will be a new energetic young relatively young turks that we can see in the coming years on the on the nda government that's what i see it is a positivity they are trying to groom up lot of young people and the china and the- and the china thing i wanted uh, i know ramna you've written extensively in the past on the geopolitical scenario that uh, dictates why china um, behaves in certain fashion but it's very interesting to note that mahbuba mufti has been opening up a new front and never happened before that a leader from kashmir has so um, aggressively gotten up and talked about the china pakistan axis and why they are fermenting trouble leading to the us state department changing its nomenclature first time ever that they, they have apparently realized that it is not indian uh, administered kashmir but it is uh, uh you know the J- state of jammu and kashmir that india uh, it's an integral part of what do you make of all of the these changes that are happening so rapidly ramana it's an excellent uh, point that pramod you made what i would say is in the in the text that you have just said itself for the connection of dots say since you have referred uh, to me in my previous article that i have written on china if you go through that article india's longest long term policy with china is it's our neighbor and it's a power and asia has to be independent of the world because world most of the resources are in asia one third western of the population world, western world has to listen to asia in the future 21st century of asia in that aspect india always thought it can yield a bit to uh, china doesn't need to be belligerent with respect to china like if china goes for one i have to go for one oh. there is a lot of uh, lot of long term real realistic nice politics that have been played by india what happened of late was china sees this as a weakness and it is not considering in spite of several indian overtures uh, on this aspect to be diplomatically an asian world is not this you know thing i don't care i don't need india i'm stupid and i can handle the world myself why should i even why should i be be cooperating and co and coordinating with china let me go my own so it is what it is going for now so then modi government came so to give you a background on that one india even yielded to a point where any incursion happened into india yeah india takes it like they quickly like, said okay you came here and i'll talk to you slowly and i'll remove you and they talk and they casual and they remove them and they come and try to encircle 
uh, India by putting some roads in uh, Sri Lanka, by putting some roads in Malay, Maldives, trying to do naval things, you know, all these things they are doing, but India is still vigilant. India is not a pushover, everyone knows that one. But they didn't try anything uh, giving it back. Hmm. So, that's the background. Even if you read that article that I wrote, if you remind that one, that's what uh, is the, the tone of that one. No, also, then, oh, sorry, go on, then, no, no, go on, then I'll join in. Yeah, however, what happened was, the doctrine under Modi and Doval has changed. The doctrine that they are using is, in one of the mind articles, if you read uh, uh, retired lieutenant uh, Deepak Cha. So, if you read his article, he wrote about something called as uh, uh, offensive defense. Correct. Means, yeah, I will be defensive, but I don't want to take any more this uh, this thing called as where I look like a weak uh, person. So, in that offensive defense model, they wanted to enter. Deepankar Jha, he is the one who wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. So they using this offensive defense on Pakistan, they tested it very well, had got great success. So they thought, okay, if we can use with this Pakistan, which is the baby of China right now, nothing else. In an Indian strategic doctrine, in spite of whatever you listen in the media circles, the reality for Indian strategy is they don't consider we have two enemies. They consider we have one enemy. That is nothing but Pak-China together. They never considered right now as two separate entities anymore. So that is the that is how the internal thinking is. So if I can use on the western border, why can't I do it in the northern border? Hmm. Why should I allow these guys to have incursions and then then I go and casual them and all these things? So that is what they they have already planned. And on top of that one, in spite of several 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 warnings, these guys are going ahead and putting roads in the uh, in, in 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 the areas which are actually part of India, should have been part of India, like the Pak occupied Kashmir, which are this, uh, which are all not supposed. China should not go there because India claims all those lands, and it is all uh, not. It is all a written, unwritten agreement across the globe. So they are going very belligerent and aggressive. So India thought we need to do something. While we need to do something, it's still being thought. China went one more step ahead, and he started thinking that it can it can do a salami slice. In the parlance of border, they call it salami slice. Take away a small piece of land at a time. Right. So they went into the slicing mode on the second side. Right. Now they thought we need to teach a lesson in the same doctrine called as offensive defense. Right. So they said, okay, you are great, you are a superpower. We'll see how you will handle this one. So we whatever we thought is a our area, we just, uh, India just marched ahead few square miles into the Chinese land mm. on the Sikkim border. Mm. Yeah, no club. It's truly what India did is, it went away and eat salami slice, the Chinese land. <laughs> went into China and put its troops there massively and said, now see, you are a superpower minister, what can you do? Will you cry baby or will you do some aggressive action? So, so it in essential, in a sense, to posturing very aggressively. Huh. So will you be aggressive war on India at this time? Can you afford that, or will you be, will you just go around the world and cry baby? And if huh. you go around the world and cry baby, 
what are you then you are no more a superpower what difference is there between you and a and a two bit uh, Uh, and how, country who and how much of that how much of that is the upcoming congress that uh, is seeking to give five more years of uh, the term to xi jinping we have to talk about it in the next segment in the next part but but just i would uh, like to uh, uh, conclude this segment and we are going to come to china by this one line that uh, you know arun shori actually said in one of his book the duplicity is a part of chinese foreign policy and india seem to call its bluff so um that's that's what it is so we'll talk about that in a second before we get to our uh, next topic um i do want to say that this is mindmakers production this mind podcast is brought to you by the mindmakers team this uh, podcast is produced and edited by adit kapadia with the help of our team in india the panelists for the um, podcast are adit kapadia pramod kumar buravalli and sunanda vashish which is me yeah so uh, to 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 conclude what uh, what we were talking about china see first of all before uh, ramana ji gets in i think what's essential is uh, i think both india and china or mainly china has had a bloody nose in this and they are trying to get back with the pride restored so to speak yeah they have this 11th uh, they, they have this congress where they have to confirm xi jinping again, again as the president he is the supreme leader now they need some sort of a way out honorable way out mm-hmm. india is offering it but china mm-hmm. is not taking it because they have a bloody nose ramana can you please talk about how strategically advantageous of a position we are in right now and china is uh, caught napping yes we have terrain advantage in that area you see the terrain advantage and uh, we are on the plain and they are on the high mountains on the far far away they their their aeroplanes will not take off from the high mountain and whereas all over airfield has advantage of taking off from here but that is a mute point because no both of both the nations know very well hitting each other with a severe war like situation will take their economies back and china is is in a very very bad situation more than india to really do such a thing with india that's number one number two china has too many enemies in asia Asia is looking for a leader in Asia that can take on China. So, the Asian nations all over the uh, all over the Pacific are looking for a leader, including Japan. Hmm. So, in that case, now India is being seen as okay. You go ahead; we'll all help you, kind of thing. So, in this situation, China can still afford to have a uh, have an escalated conflict with with India. So, two disadvantages. One is their uh, friendship levels across the asian nation to is the terrain in the sikkim area itself and on top of that when you brought a good point about uh, their coming the uh, congress uh, in their uh, in the communist party congress for him there is a huge problem there also china looks not all the glitter is not gold china everyone talks about china has this money numbers numbers is very easy to compare and say this guy is greater than other guy but that's not true when it comes to real war uh, chinese army is not at all upgraded if you see uh, even in sikkim there are a lot of videos if you can see their armored forces are as old as anyone can see their arm armament and everything there is on the ground forces the posturing is very easy i have su35 i have smk i have this one i have this one i went to moon i went to mars but when it comes to walking on the street walking across the across the mountain zones hmm. you have to see that you have to see their army they are they are very 
they're not up to the mark as far as equipment is concerned mm. so they i don't think they'll take on uh, uh, take on india on that one and now they really are in a trouble they don't know how to have a safe exit because india is not willing to give us effect so interestingly the what amana is saying like man to man china might not be um, that advantages in that and india has given a small face saver but china wants a bigger face saver yeah and also uh, uh, can you talk about this uh, two things interesting reports that have come in one that the chinese uh, communist party gave a dictate that uh, the communist party members the 8 million of them should not follow a religion so something's gone wrong there they've uh, given a big whip i think and then the second report was from cag where the the the, the lack of ammunition for the war reserves as we are, we know uh, lack of that even after 3 years of modi government is very paining to see that kind of indicting report from the cag what 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 do you make of these two reports ramna ji the second report is concerning the second report about the Uh, about lack of ammunition is a long, long uh, thing that India is facing, and within three years you cannot produce ammunition that has a gap of more than a decade. But still, I would still say the government has uh, not done enough on the on the procurement, on the improvement of the stock levels of ammunition. That's on the negative side. But you have to understand in a war how it will, how the things will move. as i just said about few minutes ago that everyone wants a leader there means in asia no one can take on china like india can take on china so suddenly there is a war there something happens india has to take on there is a there will be a flurry of shipments that will come to india from all these friends around the asian in asia because they want to see in everyone has a vested interest in india's success right starting from israel all the way to the japan yeah. whatever you need will be an open checkbook agree if agree. that comes situation so china is very scary right now right right in fact their string of pearls has reversed the string of pearls has hmm. uh, turned upside down they they are now surrounded by enemies uh, that they have created on their own they could have had a peaceful rise you know they, after the uh, fall of the colonial powers china could have adopted a very a uh, mature approach like what india has in a very ma- matured manner you know even uh, even though the congress was in power uh, the rise of india was never uh, no- nobody felt threatened uh, at the extent at which china uh, grew and the chinese have brought it on to themselves they have nowhere to go but back to the buddha and that's why that's why i was i was talking to you in a very um you know uh, i i was uh, i had sly humor in there when the chinese party again and again whips out that the chinese uh, communist party members cannot wear the sleeve of religion on their shoulders what what has happened to their 70 years experiment with atheism ramna ji <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the larger topics so i'll i'll tell you in a very short way their policies around population control their policies around cultural control have have been biting them right now right. one of the things in the religion is while they are very anti religion a lots and lots of christian conversions are happening in their major cities where wealth is actually manufactured so they have they have given a lot of leeway into the western world mm-hmm. but without control on that and that's number one number two demographics the way they have done to their they skewed their population by having one child 
poster policy is yeah think about like this is a very important thing here because say for example if you have two sons you will feel sending one son to army and another son another way right. you have only one son you would never like to send one that guy to army uh, the army that is biting their army right now this is the most important thing that the media is missing their army is very backward right now because they don't have good new recu- recruitment as a single son will always go for a greener pastures of doing some other things in shanghai or something and that guy is not going to be in the army right. everyone is mercantile right so who will who will pull the gun who will pull the trigger hmm. only the old guy and those guys have no interest in saving the shanghai clubs yeah so those that the street they actually are taking food material from indians on the indian border food material ration eatables things like that so they have a serious problem they are aggressively posturing around the world to cover up their serious problem so this thing is not being covered well in the media this is a serious serious <clears throat> army problem the so, foot soldier will be on the losing side he must surrender tomorrow to india interesting no so to, so to to wrap up and we need to move on uh, to can, uh, to can we talk. can we talk uh, i know you've referred the mercantile community in a very uh, uh, slight jab at uh, mind makers and thank <laughs> you for that ramana ji but can you talk about uh, the mercantile uh, issues faced by our own mercantile community because of gst a little bit <laughs> yeah definitely our problem ours is a is like a sweet pill sweet bitter pill i could call it as GST. sweet bitter pill gst has made except for few things like alcohol and uh, and also petrol i mean oil oil things it's really made the entire india's uh, state borders as irrelevant they are imaginary lines mm. i can say the way it is projection is going on mm. all the india's borders lines are just just a border line that is there is no more rigidity like this is uh, uh, gujarat this is telangana this is andhra you will have a border you will have a chief minister but i have a truck i will take a commodity here and i'll pay the tax and i have to pay the tax i cannot avoid i'll just go from here to there so in this model when imaginary lines are on when the lines became imaginary the strategy for getting investment into your each of your state and how you will fund a given investment more tax less tax this is all relatively calculated based on how the other guy will do right will i use out the other guy gain over other guy so in this in this world that is one thing that has changed the scenario of, of strategies of the state finance minister state investment boards and all these things the second thing that i personally observed on the ground after landing here is the business community the smaller business community the mid level business community is extremely unhappy with the gst but for a negative reason so the negative reason is i just cannot avoid tax right so this non avoidability of tax is making them hey i cannot avoid tax i have to pay tax i have to be fair and i can't put my price above certain level this is making them unhappy So there is nothing like you can really keep two books or three books kind of the world. That is where the unhappiness is coming. But the unhappiness is all about 0.1 to 0.2 percent population. 
but the happy people there are more happy people in the gst world because their uh, trade is going fine the, uh, the for example there is an article in economic times if you guys have read the the, the duration of a truck from chennai to delhi has decreased ha, i was just about to say not even chennai to delhi by stoppage I I was shocked that from Delhi to Jharkhand or somewhere it would take like twenty hours Delhi to Bhubaneswar. So Ramna ji, what you are saying right now is that in this quest for decentralization and uh, uh, you know the blurring of borders, he has completely taken the rug off of all the regional parties. Hence, all states don't exist. What are you trying to infer, Ramna ji? This is a very controversial thing you have just raised up. And for somebody like me, I live on controversies. Please, I give you a chance to withdraw your comments. Uh, no, <laughs> the reality is we have see, we have passed through three phases, Ramoji. Uh, yeah. What happens is we had a centralization. Right. And then there was a chorus around the world saying right. that centralization means there is more uh, layers of bureaucracy, and that will not that will be uh, that will discourage reaching the go reaching the goods to the end end person because of that one you need a decentralization. This was the This was the slogan from time back, but as the digital economy has emerged, the people have found that no centralization is after all not bad, and by more centralization also we can still achieve what we wanted to achieve by removing all the layers because I will make it digital and I will make it automatic. So in that aspect we have to think. So decentralization is gone case, especially as digital economy emerged. This digital economy has been exploited very, very well by Modi government, and also previous governments tried it, but they don't have the willpower because they will lose clout and they will lose corruptibility. So <laughs> Modi government. And and and, and 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 one 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 fell swoop. He has pulled the rug on monopolies. We should talk about uh, that just, later. Uh, also, uh, Ramnath. Uh, uh, hold that thought. I'm coming to back for the last comments, and we'll wrap up the podcast after this. <laughs> ha so ramana ji if you want to just wrap up your gst thing what you were saying yeah gst as i said central they have proved centralization is after all not bad and they have in, they have an inclusive state government saying that what should be state tax what should be central tax hmm. and the common man is barely touched yeah here and there there are murmur saying that i used to pay less for this one i used to pay more for this one kind of thing but they will all adjust in the end there is no resentment on a Vast majority of common people, hmm. but the real resentment is in the business class, hmm. that too in a mid-level and low-level business. Not even low-level, low-level. I'll take out the mid-level business class is where the resentment is because there is no way they can hold the money. There is uh, they they are realizing they are trying. Every trial is getting failed. That's why they are very frustrated. No, but I have to say I have to say this, and there is this is a caveat because I have been talking to a lot of people in the ground, and so a lot of people have been saying that they want to follow all the GST norms and stuff, and they are following now. But the problem is the, some of the manufacturers they will be taking stuff from some labor that they are used to working. They are not used to paying this. So the the the, the thing is that it can't be that only one side pays the GST, right? Follows GST in the other side. They don't have to. The problem is they are saying that they also have to cover up for the other side, and that. That's the big issue. No, I have an IT company. I am not facing any difficulties. It all depends on sector to sector. No, no, I'm talking about but service has, sector. Like yeah. I'm saying that if you go tomorrow, and I'm just giving an example, if a rickshaw man brings stuff like that, and he's never been used to that. 
तो फॉर टू एक्सपेक्ट हिम टू चेंज इज वेरी डिफिकल्ट इट विल टेक टाइम जी एस टी इज ए मेजर दैट the the facade that it is a uniform tax is not there first of all Absolutely. that that's where you have to there is a preferential taxation system it's a differential taxation system and some sectors are taxed more some less but at the same time the essential commodities that dictate the day to day life of a middle class is not taxed you, you have to understand that uh, no, the, no 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 i know that, that, I, I, and and yeah. also that i don't even think this is really just centralization yeah, yeah. this is actually meddling government influence in day to day life and Min- trying minimizing to, it and trying to get ma- more people under the tax ambit which uh-huh. is required otherwise the the economy absolutely. will never grow absolutely so i mean the next step is i hope income tax reform and judicial and also most importantly police and political reform if these three are achieved hmm. again i i'm expecting too many things from modi because <laughs> they, i you know i had no expectation from anybody else Achha, I, I, and i have to uh, we have to end here but ramana ji i want to ask you about quick thing because pranab da just gave his uh, final address today on a scale of 10 how would you rate the pranab mukherjee presidency and i'm not even comparing it to the pratibha patil one because of course it was a big improvement he did bring gravitas to the office on a scale of 1 to 10 i would say 5 5 okay yeah. uh, what about you pramod uh, him as a personality as no, a uh, i said as a rail <laughs> i know you <laughs> you don't no, i i would uh, tend to agree with ramana ji uh, five, just, na? yeah yeah or i would i would also between somewhere between 5 and 6 him as a personality i agree and the reason why i stopped you was this was just i was just looking at pranam mukherjee the president uh, not pranam mukherjee the politician yeah and also the last the problem that he got into the uttarakhand and the anurachal pradesh government that was written, i mean the court reprimanded the officer so that was a little bit of a uh, humdinger so to speak but uh, not a but a quintessential humdinger. politician that he is <coughs> i don't know if this is the last uh, the, uh, song for him i don't yeah i think I, it, this is a swan song yeah. unlike uh, unlike other politicians i don't think he's going to Right. come back and i don't think any presidents we've had come back into pranam mukherjee will probably be in public life yeah like he'll give lectures and stuff right. but i don't think he'll get into any political role right and what is interesting is he that yeah very elderly old age person i think he will retire बीजेपी constructive and very acute opposition on issues where the bjp goes wrong i have always been opposed to the bjp because of the the snafu they created with the land acquisition bill then the the errors with the, the education uh, policy there's no movement on the education policy the ordinance uh, a factory which is really a, a loss making unit they are not creating employment they are not creating their kind of ammunition they have not been taken to task so there are such things that i i wish there can can be sensible political leaders emerging from regional sub regional parties some few voices at least will be required to keep the bjp sensible and sane for the sake of india i i agree i agree and i think we always, because india again india of 2014 17 is not the same as india of the 70s or the 60s too yeah the expectations are a positive note on that one pramod ji yeah. it took a it took a one hell of a mountain climb to get the ruling party right right from the rot that has been set in right now it will take another hell of a mountain to set the opposition also right 
వర్క్ doing what the foreign minister should not uh, should have been doing at that point in time so whatever uh, expertise experience or scholarship <laughs> pandit nehru lacked sarvepalli radhakrishna had and he was a great brand ambassador so please pick pick up any book by sarvepalli and please uh, read it and uh, you will be very surprised how intellectually strong congressmen were in the past not anymore unfortunately ramana ji yeah there is a new book i have seen which is released uh, pretty recently on indian army actually hmm. uh, its name its name is very i'm trying to recollect its name but it's on indian army recently released hmm. that uh, everyone should read it is called uh, it's actually not indian army by the way i'm talking indian army the name of the book is called as it is from kw publishers hmm. uh, pakistan army institution that matter is written by ashish shukla oh. there is always a saying don't underestimate even your smaller enemy or bigger enemy mm-hmm. important to know enemy's institutions mm. if you want to see the enemy's institution this book based on what i read looks pretty detailed and uh, one should read this one it's called as pakistan army institution that matter very interesting thank you ramana ji and my recommendation uh, for this week is one is a book by uh, anand raganathan and chitra subramaniam uh, called uh, the rat eater it's a it's a fiction book that they've written it's very interesting i've been reading it uh, i'm almost uh, through more than half uh, with it and it's 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 a, it's a, it's a page turner Uh, no question and we've actually carried an excerpt on mind makers about this and then there is a movie uh, by chris nolan called dunkirk it's a war movie and it's been getting rave reviews about world war 2 and stuff uh, by the way i read a very fascinating article on i forgot which platform was it they said that the desis are missing in dunkirk that uh, they're not talking because in dunkirk indian soldiers did play a big role in world war 2 but uh, i uh, so but i'm not amazed because hollywood has been completely you know 
shown a lack of understanding when it comes to all these nuances. But I was surprised that in Wonder Woman, Indian soldiers were shown in World but, War but, One. But then they, this was the British expeditionary force that was stationed in no, no, France. But Majority of the 2.5 million troops that India had were stationed in Southeast Asia no, no, and the, Egypt. The, no, but that's what they're saying in the article. Oh, okay. There were some Indian commanders and stuff could as be, well in there. Could be. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm the wrong person to talk about. But this, this was an article that I read just this morning. Yeah. But anyways, all interesting things. Thank you, Raman Raji, for joining us. This was a fascinating discussion. I hope you'll be coming again on my podcast. Sure, I will. It's my pleasure. Ah, and and you have a great trip in India, and please give bring back lots of gossip for us. We'll have Pramod call you. <laughs> we are we are always ready to hear political gossip. <laughs> And and if you by chance go to Hyderabad, my favorite test place there is the biscuits at Karachi Bakery. So please enjoy one on my behalf. <laughs> Surely, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, um, from me, Pramod, and uh, from me and Pramod, uh, this is uh, goodbye, and we'll be back next week with uh, more topics. Thank you guys for joining us.